Hey everybody, how y'all doing? Welcome back to another episode of Everybody's Homegirl Podcast with me, your favorite homegirl, Tracy Cass. Today on the show, I have Siobhan Cormick, aka Siobhan the Realtor, on the show to talk about how she used her experience as a social worker to quit her job and start a whole new career as a real estate agent, all in the middle of a pandemic. It's a great show, so stay tuned and enjoy. The neighborhood I grew up in, the South Side, was originally segregated. Yes, it was originally all white. The original black neighborhoods in Fort Worth were Stop 6, Greenway, and Como, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong on that one. Back in the day, my granny and her husband moved their kids around back and forth in between those neighborhoods, renting their homes. But my granny was a visionary tired of all of the moving my granny had a dream to one day own her own home she told me that one day she told the lord she wanted to own a home behind those gates those gates being the south side that family story was my first introduction to white flight the idea that when black folks moved in white folks moved out from my understanding when Granny and her kids bought the home on 912 in the 70s, she was one of several black families to first integrate the neighborhood. So you see, my family has a little history. <laughs> but by the time I started school, the South Side was almost a majority black neighborhood. My street had only one white man who lived about four doors down from us. And when he died, we didn't have another white person on our block until I came home from college. So my home and my neighborhood has always been a source of pride for me because I knew the history behind it. As I see the gentrification happening so quickly right now, I wonder every day when I go see my mama, will the South Side keep the character that I've come to know and love? You see, my mom is still there. My church is on the south side. My sister lives there. It is still home to me. So I hope the people moving in learn the history and respect the character of the place I called home for so many years. It's not just a place for you to buy low and sell high. The south side with all of its character flaws was, was a place where we learned survival skills. You learn to treat everyone with respect because everyone had value, no matter who they were. My granny was a maid, but my neighbor was a doctor and they treated each other as equals. I saw a black owned health clinic, Dr. Brooks's clinic. I saw black owned restaurants, shout out to Drake's and Robinson's Barbecue. I saw black owned funeral homes, such as Baker's and Morrison Bates. My teachers were black. I saw black excellence every day. And in the middle of the excellence was the real everyday folks just trying to survive. For instance, my uncle, my uncle Billy. Every day, he and his friends would sit on Dr. Brooks's yard under the shade and drink beer with their friends. 
My Uncle Billy was known as Bulldog, and he sat with friends like Spider-Man, Bucci, Kippy Neal, P.W., and my cousin Man, just to name a few. It was a safe space. Dr. Brooks never called the cops, never told them to go home. They were there so much that he built a cement retainer wall so they could sit on, on it instead of sitting in his yard and killing his grass. On the South Side, I learned that black men respect and protect black women. My sisters and I knew no one would bother us because those same men sitting on that corner looked out for us. So if we got in trouble, it was only because we wanted to, because everyone knew not to bother the cast girls. It wasn't Nirvana. The crack epidemic certainly changed things. But I think I missed most of that because I was away in college. So I'm probably romanticizing my experience a bit. However, I truly hope this new diversified Southside doesn't lose the realness and closeness we once felt. That would certainly be tragic. One can only hope for the best. So that's my Southside Chronicle for the week. Gentrification sucks. But until then, Southside till I die. Thanks and stay tuned for the show. Hey, Javon. Hey, Tracy. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Can't complain. Uh, how was your week? Um, you know what? This week was um, pretty good. I stayed busy. That's good. How you handling the heat? Um, I got I pulled out my uh, half a gallon jug of water <laughs> and keeping that with me to get it together. To keep good. it together. We had a little rain today, too, so that was helpful, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I guess for my listeners today on the show, I have my friend, that's Aura, Siobhan Cormick. And I've known Siobhan for about, what, five or six years now? Mm -hmm. I met you through Fort Worth Alumni Chapter, and I served under you on the Physical and Mental Health Committee. Yes, I forgot all about that. Yes, you did. Yeah, I did. <laughs> the bullying uh, walk, the 5K. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, Hopefully I did not bully you throughout that process. You Listen, I was there to serve. <laughs> what do you need me to do? I just didn't want to be a headache. I'm not going to fuss. <laughs> just tell me where you, what, what you need, where you need me to be. I, hopefully I was that member because I yes, get it. <laughs> and throughout the years, we just talk and chit chat. And um, I just brought you on the show to talk to you about stepping out on faith. So um, before we get to the show, um, I wanted to ask you, uh, I guess the meat of the show, you started a whole new career and I wanted to get a little background first. You okay. were born and raised in Louisiana, correct? Correct. Specifically, you know, New Orleans is in Louisiana, but <laughs> I'm from New Orleans, Louisiana, the 12th Ward. <laughs> I was about to ask you, was it Baton Rouge or New Orleans? Nah, it's Glad New I didn't Orleans. say Baton Rouge. I, you probably would have got mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> 12 war not yes ma'am it's like 12 ninth. i've heard a ninth i hadn't heard of yeah, 12 yet yeah, yeah. 12 okay so where did you go to college so i started college at dilla university in new orleans and then i transferred to tulane university okay um right before katrina hit so i think i completed a full year at tulane 
Okay. Um, so a year at Dillard, a year at Tulane, then Hurricane Katrina hits, interrupts everything, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, came to the Arlington area, and I'm sorry, Fort Worth area, City View area, um, and was looking for colleges. I saw mm-hmm. TCU and I said, the way my account set up, not going to be able to do that. <laughs> um, TCC, I already had too many credits to go to TCC. So I wound up at UTA. Yay. Um, yeah. And finishing my bachelor's degree from UTA and then later on going back to get my master's degree okay. in social work at UTA. Okay. That's a good program. It's always mm-hmm. a good program. And listen, not many folks had that account set up for TCU. I was born and raised right. here and I'm like, that's not for me. <laughs> right, right, right. So you have a background in social work. What inspired you to be a social worker? Um, I would say I remember wanting to help people. I know that sounds cliche, but I remember wanting to help people. Um, but I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. So I had a family member, um, my uncle specifically, his wife is a, a registered nurse. And he said, hey, just go to school for nursing. You're going to be guaranteed a job the rest of your life, all that good stuff. And I'm like, you know what, bet. So my best friend always wanted to be a nurse. I knew I wanted to help people. And initially, I think I was saying psychology, but nursing was it because that's what my uncle said made money. Um, I remember being in physiology and anatomy class. And I think the teacher name was Marva Smith. And she looked at me and said, if you are not excited about the things that I'm teaching, young lady, you probably don't want to be a medical professional. But that stuck with me because she really knew I really had no interest in learning what the tibula and the fibula did. <laughs> I wanted to know how they got there. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, so um, I went to my counselor and I said, hey, I want to transfer to the social work program. He said, you're going to be broke the rest of your life. Um, I got mad. And then that's when I decided to go to another school. I, you know, uh, did that year there. Then that's why I wound up at Tulane because I was upset that somebody told me mm-hmm. that I was going to be broke the rest of my life because I wanted to help people. <laughs> wow. And that's yeah. sad. <laughs> right. <laughs> I guess I mean, all, that's what we should be doing. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Um, where has your career taken you? Uh, speaking of being broke, were you broke? Um, what uh-huh. did, what path did you take? Mm-hmm. Because I know for a few years you worked with veterans. So mm-hmm. I guess talk about the journey to that and talk about that as well. Okay. Um, so right out of the gate, uh, when I get my bachelor's degree in 2000, December 2007, um, I had an interview with the Presbyterian Night Shelter uh, working with homeless people. And um, how I naive I was at the time. The girl said, hey, you're gonna be making 2,500 a month. Mind you, this entire time I was doing work study and I was a cashier at Harris Hospital gift shop while I was in college. So I was doing those two part-time gigs. So I get my first job at Presbyterian Night Shelter. I get my first check and I call my mom. I said, girl, they lied. <laughs> I wasn't thinking that taxes are real, you know? So um, I started out <laughs> with homelessness and it got to be a bit much um, because you are responsible for the interworkings of somebody's lives when it's because homelessness is always a state of trauma. I don't care what anybody says, mm-hmm. not knowing where you're going to lay your head, your next meal is coming from. Although there are programs, it's a traumatic experience. Right. So somebody's always in that heightened you know, state. Um, so I got tired of that. I decided to go to a nursing home. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I went to a nursing home for seven months. And I said, nah, this is not for me, fam. Um, <laughs> went to two different nursing homes. because I thought, well, maybe that nursing home just wasn't my cup of tea. Went to another one. Um, um, I was referred by another social worker who saw something in me. And I was like, still nursing home care wasn't for me because I did not 
like the family dynamic. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are so many people involved uh, when a family member is either hospitalized or in a nursing home that I I kind of missed that one-on-one experience with my homeless clients, right? Mm-hmm. So I went back to the exact same shelter, mm-hmm. got employed there again with a different program. Okay. Um, so I worked Presbyterian Night Shelter off and on 2008 to about 2009, 10-ish or something like that. Then I went to, at the time they were called the YWCA. Um, they had a supportive housing program for women at the time. Now they're called the Center for Transforming Lives. So I worked there from 2011 to 2013. Then 13, the VA called and I worked there from 13 to this year. Um, but every single program was homeless individuals and I was responsible for um, getting them housed and helping them maintain housing and supportive services. So that was my whole social work career. Oh, I love it. What did you find most rewarding? Um, I would say the most rewarding is just looking at the evolution of a person. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> that person that may have been um, afraid to move from being institutionalized because homelessness sometimes can be um, an into institutionalizing experience because mm-hmm. people are still telling you when you're going to eat, where you're going to eat, what time you're going to get up, what time you're going to come back in, you know, to actually having your own place. So seeing them uh, get back to their own and make, take power over their lives, um, I think was the most rewarding. Because I did have a lot of people, of course, get a house uh, and return to homelessness for whatever reason. But to see those who maintain their housing um, over the years was very rewarding for me. And it's interesting that you point out the institutionalization of housing, because we don't think about it like that. Mm -hmm. We think about it as in, okay, it's a shelter, it's somewhere for them to stay, but Mm -hmm. you have to be there at a certain time, you have to eat at a certain time. There are rules when you're there. When you are there, there are rules, lights out, you know, you only check mail this time of day, you only, you know, so going from that mindset, a structured mindset like that to having your own place can be overwhelming. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've never uh, been homeless in that sense. Um, Of course, I've been without housing for a period of time because of Katrina, right? Mm -hmm. But I've never been homeless in that sense. But I can't imagine, um, you know, you, you moving from that space to your own apartment, and then I'm leaving you by yourself. Right. So after I do my home visit, you in this apartment by yourself, you might not have cable, you might, you know, mm-hmm. um, so it's a, it's a lot, it's a big responsibility to start your life over. Yeah, I was going to ask, so basically your main responsibility was to provide the resources and help them find housing. Was there any type of counseling component to it? Um, yes, it depends, depending upon the program. So as my career uh, progress, I wound up uh, earning my clinical license to do therapy Mm-hmm. and diagnose um but it was it's very difficult to serve someone in a dual capacity mm-hmm. um because i'm the case manager i'm coming in i'm making sure you have you know we call it social security we're doing resources and then i sit back and start dabbling into you know your mental health and stuff like that and some clients saw me more as a friend mm-hmm. than a therapist at times even mm-hmm. though i would explain to them i'm paid to be here i would never come if i wasn't getting paid you know i try to I'm 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 very relational and I, I'm always you know joking with my clients, but I'm letting them know, like you need to talk to somebody. So yeah, so for the most part, um, we were able to refer out to therapists if that was something that was needed. Whatever they needed, we referred out. Whether it's dental services, uh, physical help, mental health, throughout all of the different programs I worked with, 
there were some nonprofit or another agency that can do some do whatever I could not do. Okay. Yeah. So there came a point though you had to change your heart. Mm-hmm. What happened? I think um, from December 2007 until January 2021, I had been with homeless individuals. Mm-hmm. It had got to a point where I was like, okay, I know there is more to life than just this. Driving around all day as far as going into, you know, some neighborhoods aren't the best. So all of our clients don't have clean backgrounds, right? Mm-hmm. So I might be, I don't even want to call out a specific neighborhood because I don't want to, you know, I may be in an area yeah. where a police officer and a SWAT team will come suited and booted, but the social worker with a pencil and a pen. Um, I've been in situations where um, <laughs> literally I had, this was years ago, I had a client who owed a drug dealer and he chased her down with a gun and I came maybe two hours later and it was like, you don't know what happened to Lisa and Agent telling me and I'm like, had no clue. Must be God that I didn't show up on time. How about that? Um, <laughs> so, right. So just kind of getting fed up with um, the organization I was working with as a whole. They were not um, employee friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I had gotten a raise that year. I got a promotion uh, in January and it took them to September to pay me and to for me to actually be fully into my role. And it just got to a point when I said, okay, there has to be something better. Let me figure out what skills that I possess that could transfer to another career, mm-hmm. but also still helping people and what I like to do. Cause I, I kind of got a liking to housing, right? And talking to different property managers and seeing that experience. So trying to figure out, okay, what else can I do? And real estate came up because, um, I purchased my first home in 2013 Mm -hmm. um, using a city of forward program. I sold it in 2018, saw how um, that one investment changed my life. And I thought to myself, man, if I can get my family and friends to do this or just help other people do this, um, that would be awesome. And so I I actually had great real estate agents help me. Mm -hmm. And I say, you know what? I'm just going to try it out. Um, It can't hurt. And it happened so fast that I was like, okay, this must be God. So I literally started real estate school in October. I was finished in November. I tested in December, quit my job in January. January 2021, correct. Yep, yep. You started a whole new career in the middle of a pandemic. Pandemic. Right, right. But it definitely (laughs) is a faith walk because it's scary. (laughs) Right. Now I was going to ask you, We the last time we talked, you told me how you overheard, you're also... um, in a band, right? And you I heard was, the band, I was, yeah. Heard the band members talking about it. Tell me about that story. Um, so I had a few band members who um so a couple of my band my band members, we were definitely a diverse group. So one of the guys from Jamaica, um, you know, I'm from New Orleans, and the other three guys, I don't know what cities and states they're from, but they they all went to TCU, but three of them were Caucasian guys, and they were just talking one night about how, yeah. I sold that house when I was like 25 and, but I'm gonna go do this. And I thought to myself, dang, they done bought and sold and, you know, mm-hmm. did all of this stuff. And I'm holding on to this house just because I'm scared, mm-hmm. you know, or just because um, I think it's the right thing to do, you know? But I realized that, um, you know, people who come from backgrounds where money wasn't an issue, they're not afraid to, and not saying those guys came from that background, but 
they're not afraid to make major moves mm-hmm. um, that may be a sacrifice right now, but they look at the long term. Mm-hmm. They don't get emotionally attached to a building or to a process, right? They just go and they do it. And 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 I kind of embodied some of that too when I sold my house because mm-hmm. my family wasn't happily happy initially when I said, yeah, I think I'm about to put this thing on the market. My, my lien is up on uh, February the 1st, 2018. Because again, I told you I used a city mm-hmm. program and you had to live in the house at least five years mm-hmm. or else you had to pay them the $9,999 back. <laughs> So I wasn't giving them the $9,999 back at all. <laughs> and um, I did it. And and it and I realized that I could do it again. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we're scared of. Can this happen again? So you figure um, my my childbirth was, was weird, right? My mom almost died. They had to pick between which of us was going to die in childbirth. So I feel like if that, I, I started off like this. Then, you know, you have milestones along the way. Then there's a whole hurricane that could have wiped me out. Mm-hmm. Then you, you know, I have some spiritual mile markers that let me know that God is with me regardless of the decisions that I make, right? <laughs> even, if it's the, even if it's not the direction he wants me to go in, mm-hmm. um, he still will take care of me. I submit to him and move forward. So it's kind of like, just do it. Uh-uh. Yeah, I know what I was gonna ask you. You talked about being afraid. I was wondering where did you get the courage to one quit your job, yeah. sell your home? Like, you know, what's the process like that makes you say, you know, I'm gonna go ahead and jump off this cliff? <laughs> um, I would say I was at work and I was extremely unhappy. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a coworker, um, because mind you, we were working like from home here and there. And I had a coworker sit me down and was like, you have changed. Your light is gone. I don't know. You know, you normally the one that's cracking jokes and, you know, around here doing crazy stuff. And you just like, yeah, hey, what time? What time to meet? All right, I'm going to be here. Um, I just, I wasn't myself. I was tired. Um, and I, and I, and again, I, I kept saying to myself, is this all that life has to offer? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? just working this job, coming home, being miserable. Um, and, you know, if I would self, self-diagnose, self I would say I probably was falling into a, 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 a low, you know, depression if I were to self-diagnose that because I was functioning fine, right? Mm-hmm. I was doing everything I was supposed to do, taking care of, you know, family needs, my church. Um, I probably didn't do nothing for the sorority last year, but, you know, <laughs> if they if they call me, if, if, if the president called me, I say, yes, ma'am, I got you. Um, I'm on a board of another organization called Women in Power. So I was, I was showing up, but I don't know if I was fully present. Mm-hmm. And um, so that bothered me. That bothered me a lot. Um, and I just had to sit back and say, is it worth working on somebody else's job who don't even care about you? I've had coworkers pass away who the next day they cleaned out their desk and said, we're going to post the job and then told us to use our vacation time to go to his funeral. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I thought, you know, what's more valuable to me? Um, now, it was scary because, again, like I said, I had just gotten that promotion. Those checks were starting to look right finally. <laughs> you know, so I understood what the, the counselor meant. He probably said it wrong about being broke your whole life. <laughs> um, yeah, my... Mm, <sighs> I finally had made it. uh things were looking up and then I felt like I got to the top of a building you know I got I I got to the top of this ladder and realized I was on the wrong damn building Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> so you like, yeah, so what do you do next? And so I, I pray like crazy. Um, of course, you want validation if you have a good family structure. You want validation from mom and daddy, right? If, if mm-hmm. y'all close. Um, and surprisingly, it was like, we looked, you know, they say you are a child and we looked over your life and everything you said you were going to do, you have done. So mm-hmm. don't be afraid. We got, we can't help you financially, but if you are hungry, we got you, just figure it out. Listen. <laughs> and I think once I got that and my nerves out of the way, I said, I'm gonna do it. So mind you, I put in my notice, but I put in my notice like December 1st, because I gave myself <laughs> a month to think about, do I really want to quit my job? <laughs> Because the government is slow, right? So they're not gonna hide. Like I think my position is still open, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so they slow. So I'm like, uh, in case I need to rescind my resignation. <laughs> but every day, I grew more confident and more confident because things started to fall in place. And I think what helped me along was a friend of mine who said, "If you get your license, I'm gonna be your first customer. I got you." Amen. And, and, and I, I was crying because I was like, okay, I'm just going to do it. I'm just, I'm just going to do it. So, so what's your work day? Like what is a typical real mm-hmm. estate agent's work day look like now compared to going into the neighborhood with the SWAT team, dope <laughs> <laughs> man trying to collect his money. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say, uh, the brokerage I'm with is with Keller Williams and they really preach you being a CEO and not just an agent. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say the typical day, which I've adopted just in the last four to five weeks is I wake up. Um, so, well, let me, let me start over. <laughs> the last four or five weeks, the work stuff, I just started, but me this week, I started waking up and exercising again mm-hmm. because I realized my business not going to thrive if I'm not available and if I'm not healthy. So mm-hmm. I got back into Cap Gladiator cause it's free. Um, I signed up this month too. Yeah, yeah. So I'm in that thing. Um, definitely my church is studying the book of Romans. So I started reading the Bible study book, you know, before Bible study, really get my mind right first. Um, I make myself go into the office. So as a real estate agent, you really de- you really determine what your day is like. And so at first, I was sitting at home in front of this computer by myself, um, just looking at MLS all day, not knowing what to do. Um, but probably about a month ago, I woke up and I said, I'm going to the office. I'm going to go to the office. I'm going to be present. And since I've done that, um, my business has gotten better. I may not have gotten any more money yet, mm-hmm. but just brainstorming with other people. So I go into the office every day at eight o'clock. Uh, we have a Zoom call called Morning Mindset. Then after that, I do script practice. Um, so just practicing common objections of what to say when you get in front of somebody. You know, I'm not to sound like a sleazy salesperson because I'm not selling you anything. The only thing I'm selling really is me. Mm-hmm. You want to work with me or not? Because everybody have all the agents have access to the same thing. So just, you know, script practicing in that way. And then I'm lead generating. And so I'm calling family members and friends and letting them know, hey, I'm a realtor now. Um, you know, if you know anybody, if you look in, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then the rest I make, I schedule my lunch. And then after mm-hmm. that, I follow up with client stuff. If a client asked me to do something or if somebody was interested in something, I follow up with that. Um, if I need to show houses, I show houses. If I have a listing, I'm making sure that my client is okay. Um, so most of my days are spent just doing that. Okay. Okay. So any tips or advice for the home buyer and any tips or advice for the seller? So I guess I'm asking what, what's the mm-hmm. process like? 
if for people who don't know yeah so maybe, for the home mm-hmm. buyer so for a first time home buyer um you got questions about everything right because mm-hmm. <laughs> i remember i did um i would tell you first off to save and get your financial house in order because when you get pre-approved um you have to go to a lender and that person is going to do a deep dive on your financial health mm-hmm. they're going to look at your capacity to pay as far as when you buy this house, is your bank account going to be on zero because you bought a house? Or will you have reserves for, let's say, the toilet break in the first year? Mm-hmm. Um, they're looking at credit. They're looking at debt-to-income ratio. Um, so get your financial house in order. Make sure you're budgeting accordingly before you even step to a lender. Okay. Um, once you, and if you're, for me, when I purchased my first home, my financial house is pretty much in order. And so I just needed to get a real estate agent that understood what I was looking for and would explain the process. So the, the typical process is you get a realtor, you find a house you like, you put in an offer. Just because you put in an offer on the house don't mean you're going to get it. True. And so that's something I had to learn because I'm like, yeah, I put in an offer on the house. I'm, I'm about to move. That's not what that means. That means you just offered somebody something and it's their job to accept it or reject it. Mm-hmm. Um, but once it's accepted, then um, you get your inspection. Um, you get your inspection, the house is appraised, the lender does all of that stuff as far as the appraisal. And you're kind of waiting to make sure everything is smooth as far as the process. So in the background, your real estate agent, your lender in a title company for the next 20 days are just going back and forth to make sure that everything is legit. You know, making sure if there are any any uh, repair requests that you decided, hey, the, the dishwasher is broken, I want the seller to fix it making sure we negotiate those things in the process. Mm-hmm. And then we get fast forward to closing days if everything is cool. Closing on the house basically means that they are now, uh, you, the house is being conveyed to you. You're paying the necessary fees, taxes, uh, title insurance, uh, survey, all that good stuff. And you're going from there. Um, I will tell every first time home buyer to ask whatever lender you decide to use if there's down payment assistance programs. Um, I've used them twice. <laughs> so there's always so as a social worker I'm very resourceful I'm a google I'm a call folks I have no problem asking questions uh, I don't feel like there's a dumb question so I use um, the housing channel the first time I purchased a home the second time I use the Texas State Affordable Housing Commission because they have a higher income threshold you can make $102,000 in the state of Texas and still get $10,000 off your house or whatever the down payment is for that particular house so I just tell people to get somebody that you trust to explain the process as far as buyers okay. um, and understand in this market, you'll be um, may have to put in a couple of offers, multiple offers before you get one accepted. As far as my sellers go, I always tell them to make the house look like it was when you first purchased it. Right. So if it was if it was staged beautifully, you want that appeal, that curve mm-hmm. of you want the inside to be nice. If them baseboards are raggedy, go on, put some paint on that. <laughs> um, but also realize that you are about to sell this home. This is no longer yours. So I know your baby took their first steps here, right? I know your baby, you know, said their first words in this house, but now this is just uh, an investment in a tool, in a vehicle for you to either buy your dream home or to clear up some financial things. So I would say make sure that, you know, if there are any liens on the property to clear them up, pay them off. You know, if you owe somebody, if you owe your HOA, pay that off, 
um, and just really assess your motivation for selling. Um, because we, we do get emotionally attached to stuff. Mm -hmm. So once I put that house on the market, it is no longer yours. It is just a vehicle to get you where you want to be. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Okay. So, you know, online, the internet and apps, they make things so accessible mm -hmm. to everybody. Everybody becomes a really something they aren't like you can be a model on Instagram right you can be you can be an entrepreneur and I say that to say this open door allows people to be their own agents in right. home buying process in your opinion why should someone bypass open door and use a real estate agent because mm -hmm. if I'm I wouldn't because for me, I'm like, I'm not an expert in that. I don't want to do that leg work. Let me get somebody right. who's going to do it. An expert mm. who knows the clues. But some people might say, you know what? I want all of this money for myself. Yeah. <laughs> what would your uh, response to that be? So I would say when you using, um, so I can't, I cannot legally speak about other brokerages. I will just say that if you are using um, a platform like that, and they say there aren't any fees. Nobody in this country works for free. Mm -hmm. So there are fees associated, but they may be hidden in other areas that you are not seeing. As far as a real estate agent, I have to be upfront and honest. This is my percentage and this is where it comes from. So I would say read the fine print because there are um there are uh, expenses associated and it may be more than what we, a regular realtor would charge. I would also say you use a real estate agent because of negotiations. You want an agent that if somebody says, I want you to, to paint the whole front living room and do a new roof to say, hold up, let me see if that's appropriate for my client, mm -hmm. you know, and, and negotiate those terms and, and stuff like that, or getting certain things paid for the seller, you know, um, so although, although those things seem easier, you may be paying a higher price on a back end that you don't realize versus using an agent that you have a relationship with that, can, that you can actually call and say, hey, this is my issue, you know, and go from there. Okay, I love it. So looking back, mm -hmm. in what ways or how do you think your life has changed the most other than the obvious? Hmm. <laughs> Let's see, I would say um, my boldness mm -hmm. um, has been more and more prevalent the older I've gotten. So some would say that I am basically transforming into my mother. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but again, I, <clears throat> I think that boldness comes from, um, you know, how the old school people would say, I know who I am and whose I am. Um, and that, that is a very cliche sentence, but really um, developing my, my relationship with Christ um, just lets me know that things will be okay. And again, I have all kind of evidence, right? So it's not like I don't have evidence mm -hmm. that things are going to be fine. They're just rough right now. Because I can tell you that this is not easy. So you know, I'm laughing and I'm joking and some mornings I wake up and say, but you got a raise, sis, why you quit? <laughs> <laughs> but you had blue cross blue shield sis listen you, you had all this good, cracked up to me <laughs> yeah you had some good dental insurance like 
I start to think about the, the temporary benefits I had with working, but when I look at the long-term, Mm-hmm. It takes a very bold person and a very person, a person that's confident in their own skills and their own abilities, but also the source of those skills and abilities mm-hmm. to be able to move forward. But I will tell you, I'm scared. Uh, I'm about to say at least two, three days a week, I sit in the mirror and be like, you show, you show, but you did it now. <laughs> I was going to ask you, how did it impact your spiritual life and your faith walk, mm-hmm. right? So, <laughs> so it's funny because my pastor, um, <laughs> When I quit, he was like, you good. Like I, so my past and I've only been knowing each other probably two, three years, maybe two or three years. And he was like, man, you're going to be fine. Like you built for this, you know? And so him telling me that praying for me, uh, my church has been like behind me 2000%. Um, <clears throat> I am definitely leaning on Christ more than I ever have. Um, because there are like I have a, a a major repair that needs to be done in my house right now, mm. major repair. And so I sit back and I say the solution to your problem is here. You're just not thinking straight. Mm-hmm. And so for the past three weeks, I've been telling myself that because I get discouraged and I say the solution is here. And I got that from a preacher because he was talking about you know the ram in the bush situation. Mm-hmm. It was already there. You went, you know, you got to just look, you got to turn and look. And so spiritually, I literally have to give myself a pep talk every single day to say it is okay. Um, Because again, I was living a different lifestyle. You know, I like to take trips. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) There wasn't nothing for me to take at least two, three of them in a Mm -hmm. year. Um, Now, before I quit, I did pay for a trip to Jamaica with my line since before I quit. I wasn't no dummy. I was going to do that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, my lifestyle was built around make i mean built around knowing i'm gonna have a check mm-hmm. like clockwork yeah consistency and so this is definitely making me uh realize that i have the skills to budget accordingly mm-hmm. um but also it makes me even more um motivated to make this business work because I'm I'm on my third my third transaction will be completed on Tuesday. Okay. And to see the lives that I've changed, so it's not it's not a bunch of lives. So with social work, uh, they give you your caseload. You don't mm-hmm. really have a choice. You mm-hmm. got about twenty to thirty folks. Uh, they're not worried about if it's good fit for you. You just gonna do the job, right? Um, you have no control over who's on your caseload. But we're mm-hmm. real estate. I can control. Hey. If me and this person not working out, let me refer to another agent who best suits those needs. Um, who, who, you know, stuff like that. So with this one, um, I'm in control of it. I, I can, I, I pray about it a lot and I just move forward from there. But I, I do miss, I'm not going to sit in line and say, I don't miss uh, something being deposited every two weeks, like clockwork, no, like no matter what I did. So even on the job, I had big, I had become mediocre and that's not like me. Um, I do my notes when I get ready. Notes supposed to be done with at least uh, 48 hours if you did them in the field, 24 hours if you did them in person. I'm looking at the 72 hour mark like I don't even really care because I knew I was going to get paid regardless, right? (laughs) It's hard to get fired from a government agency. Right. And so for me, I was like, I'm not even built to be mediocre. I ain't never been mediocre in my life. Like, why am I just setting this little standard for myself when I could be so much more? 
And so real estate is pushing me to, to heights that I never thought I would be in things I would, you know, networking with people I never thought I would network with, you know. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it, but I do miss uh, having a check. <laughs> and, and that was my uh, next question. Any regrets? I yeah. miss having a check. <laughs> the, so listen, the only thing I regret seriously is um, I was in the middle of Invisalign treatment when I quit. <laughs> and I thought insurance had paid all of my treatment, but they did not. And so it was a hurting feeling when my dentist said, um, sis, <laughs> you owe me what his billing department said. Yeah, uh, we're not taking these brackets off your teeth for your Invisalign. So you pay us that $779. And I said, gee, I ain't give you all that money. They was like, nah, when you quit, they stopped the payment. So, um, yeah, so I would just say, if you're going to quit, make sure everything's paid for if you're in the middle of a treatment, you know. So I regret that. That's the only thing I do regret. <laughs> so any advice for someone looking to go into real estate full time? Um, I would say make sure it is something you really want to do because in real estate, you have to be a self-starter. So your brokerage can provide all the training they want. Every brokerage has, um, you know, new agent orientation, training videos, some type of coach, some type of coaching or mentorship. But you have to have the ability to be a self-starter and not compare yourself to other agents because you know I'm I am now of course my my Facebook landscape has changed since I've become an agent so now I'm friends with a, a bunch of agents so I got the social work side and I got a bunch of real estate agents and it is so easy to compare yourself to other people because you're like damn she closed whole time this month <laughs> <laughs> And you count in your head, she just made like 30, 40,000. Like, you know, in that house of half, you know, you sitting in there like, but why are you spending that energy doing that? Mm -hmm. So I would say, make sure you're passionate about it. Make sure you're a self-starter. Don't compare yourself to other people. And also make sure you have the funds to start. So real estate is one of those businesses that you have to pay to start. It is not a scam because there are some, <laughs> some pay to start jobs <laughs> that are scams, but you have to pay to play, right? You have to pay to call yourself a realtor. So you have to be a part of the Texas Realtor Association. You have to pay the MLS fees. Most of us use these key boxes that are Bluetooth key boxes. You have to be paid to be a part of that. So a lot of people don't use the um, old school code boxes anymore mm -hmm. because that could be even easily given to a client. And, you know, I can give you the code, you go look in the house. Yeah. Or to ensure that it is a safe environment that somebody's going with an agent. Now we have Bluetooth things that we have to use. So Make sure you have the startup money mm -hmm. um, to start your business. Make sure you have a good working vehicle to start this business, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> um, but make sure it is something that you have wholeheartedly looked into and researched to make sure that that's the best choice for you and your family. And maybe being after being an agent, you realize, man, I really want to be a lender. You can go mm -hmm. be a lender. Like you can be an agent and a lender at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, so there are so many things that you can do in real estate, but you have to, um, I would say, research it, make sure you have the startup funds, a good call. Don't compare yourself to other people and go from there. <laughs> All right. Oh, well, thank you. I've appreciated this phone call. I've learned a lot. Listen, <laughs> you got more faith than I do. because <laughs> I like that check, <laughs> but I'm close to retirement. So I'm going to buy that. <laughs> yeah, and see, like that wouldn't make sense for you, right? If you're yeah. close to retirement, 
I was just eight years in. They told me I had, I, so I, <laughs> I think in the beginning of 2020, before COVID was even a thing, mm-hmm. I had emailed HR because I was so sick of the job. Because mm-hmm. I had been through a lot at that job, like discrimination, all kind of crap. I was tired. And so I called HR and I said, hey, can you give me my retirement date? And the dude sent me the paperwork. He said, yeah, um, when you make 58, you should be good. I'm 36. I don't have time for this. Mentally, I might not be here fooling with y'all. <laughs> Understood. Yeah. I called and got my day during quarantine. I was like, that's it. Okay. I can, I can do this. <laughs> yeah. If it's something you feel like you can manage, mm-hmm. then that's great. For me, I was like, ain't no way yeah, that I'm going to be time. here till I'm 58. I'm just yeah. not going to be able to do that's it. That's a long and time to hate what you do. Yeah. And then the whole thing is, I could go back. I'm still a social worker. Mm-hmm. And I, it seems like your social work has intersected with real life you're in housing you help the homeless so it's kind of like the best like marriage of two worlds yeah like you're still using those skills and you're still helping people yeah I call my clients and say hey how you doing are you scared this week are you frustrated that's you know every week I try to do a goal for the week even with them so that's something I had to do with my clients you know assessing the situation goal setting um helping them cope with you know what's going mm-hmm. on because home buying is scary. Mm-hmm. Like that is scary. You come from an apartment where they changing light bulbs for you and doing everything for you. And then you spend all this money only to, you know, be your own handyman too. That's the, that is listen, scary. I have a friend <laughs> coming over tomorrow to help me. I got to put up a light fixture. I got to yeah. fix my mailbox. The stuff break down. It's all on you. Right. But it's worth it because it's yours. Yeah. And you can't leave it unrepaired or right. otherwise your value goes down but right. it's like okay I'm like you let me figure out how I'm gonna get this fixed <laughs> yeah yeah. But, yeah and with the house I tell people with the house so for that apartment you could live there for 30 years and you and it's gonna increase mm-hmm. and you're gonna keep paying them keep paying them mm-hmm. with the house you eventually pay that note off to where yep. you're gonna have living expenses exactly. and that's the goal to reduce so so and 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 again I was able to quit my job because I own a duplex let mm-hmm. me put that up. so my living expenses drastically reduced because now I have somebody helping me pay my mortgage yeah oh, so yeah. that's a yeah so that's another reason why I was able to quit because I invested in real estate I, I bought the house in March of 2020 somebody's helping me pay the mortgage now if my clients decide to move out tomorrow I'm gonna be in a little bind but that's okay because I can find some other okay. tenants mm-hmm. you know there's always people looking because some people don't want the responsibility right right yeah, yeah. But the, the goal is to reduce your living expenses over time to where you can do the things that you want to do with your family. Like you can you can take that money and go to Disneyland. Everybody been going to Disneyland, Cabo, and Tulum. Listen. I'm trying to be there too. Awesome. Awesome <laughs> along. They open the world up and they like we wilding. It's like right. Right. I ain't lying. I'm going to Vegas next month. So I mean. Hey, listen, I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do for my birthday. So I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be something. So what do you do for self-care? So my current self-care routine is me doing nothing. Amen. Um, but that's pretty, I don't, I don't have, girl, I go get my nails done. No. Um, I literally sit on my sofa and just don't move for a day. I will answer phone calls um, because of the business I'm in. And my mama called me every day around four o'clock. But my self-care routine is the ability to sit and do nothing because um, I'm a recovering busy person. (laughs) 
and I, I and, and so I'm in I'm I am you know working on that uh because I will say yes especially if it's a good cause right or if it's something that I want to see succeed mm-hmm. I think that I'm the answer sometimes instead <laughs> of you know giving it to somebody else to say hey this is the vision for this but if if you call me tonight and say you want to do something and you have a vision I'm like oh that's dope we're gonna help the people do what oh so they're gonna read across America if we do this for five weeks and then there I am so I'm a recovering busy chick and I I at least once a week typically Sundays after church I have that after church nap is that good food whatever that may be and I am doing nothing for anyone. I stopped even, because initially when I first started my business, I was showing houses. Every, if somebody calls, say they want to see a house, what time? I'm there now. Now I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing that on a Sunday unless there's a deadline. Um, so yeah, self-care for me is sitting on a sofa doing nothing. I think I'm going to steal that. <laughs> That's a good one. It is. It's just emptying your mind. Just yeah. letting it rest because it's always going. I love that. Okay, last question. If okay. you had a chance to write a book, what would it be called and what would it be about? Mm. So I literally was trying to write an ebook <laughs> during my whole process of quitting my job. Mm-hmm. I was writing an ebook about um, my home back in New Orleans, the house mm-hmm. I grew up in because it still exists today. Mm-hmm. And it has been a refuge for my entire family. Mm-hmm. And so the forethought of my grandparents to buy that house in 1967, 68, because they knew their children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren may need a place at some point. The forethought for them to buy it in the garden district, right? Which is a, you know, a good area in New Orleans or whatever. Um, I just thought, man, that's, you know, so I actually was starting the ebook and then I stopped because I didn't know where to go with it. So if I was to write a book, I would write it about the journey, write it about that house, like something about that house. When I go home, I I get a reset. It's like a bed and breakfast. It's like I'm, I'm in tune with my grandparents or something and everything is okay. Mm-hmm. So I literally go there. Sometimes I go to New Orleans for nothing but to sit in that house at my uncle's feet and just talk to them. Mm-hmm. My mom's brothers, they just, they just dope. And <laughs> I just sit and I talk to them and they remind me who I am. Like my uncle said one day, do you, you're going to be successful. You know why? And I'm like, why? He was like, cause you got spears blood in you, girl. You know? <laughs> that's all it is. My daddy did this. So you, you ain't no different. The Lord going to take care of you. And that's what they do. They like pump me up. So I'm like, I can go do anything. <laughs> so my, my book would definitely be about that house and how it's a refuge and a safe haven and, and how it is it's the glue that keeps the family together when something happens we all gonna go back to that place I love it I love it that's my my journey too my grandmother bought our house 912 you hear me talking about 912 that's where mm-hmm. I grew up and she bought yeah. it for all of us so if anything ever happened, anybody needed a place to stay, you could always come home. And there were literally times there was like eight of us in, in one three bedroom house, See? but you had a place to stay and you had something to eat. Could help yep. you with a bill maybe, but <laughs> you got somewhere to lay your head. And, we, and all of us pretty much have gone back there. Like when I got ready to buy my house, I need to save mm-hmm. some money. Let me get out this apartment lease. And I went home for a year, slept See? on the couch. And they were like, oh, you, 
you don't even have to pay nothing because they were paying it all. I'm like, no, granny, let me, mama, yeah, good. <laughs> and we still do. My mama's there now by herself, but it's always yeah. our spot. You have a funeral, we going back to nine. Back to nine. See, yep, <laughs> that's exactly the same way with my family. And so I just, I don't know that that's always been on my heart just for them because it's a, it's a duplex. Well, in New Orleans, we call it a double. Oh, okay. um, but one side is like five bedrooms and the other side is like three. So the fourth off of them to just buy something that massive is just ridiculous to me, considering the time that they yeah, bought. Yeah, exactly. I and, love the, and, the, and the socioeconomic status they was in. Like my grandparents, my grandpa had like a sixth grade education. My grandmother, I think she graduated high school when high school went to 11th grade at the time. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, that's and, and we out here with 10 degrees and scared of this Listen, stuff. struggling. Struggling. <laughs> Out here, you got every every uh, uh, acronym and letter behind your name, and you scared. And they out here with sharecropping, and was like, "Let's get it." And face the level of racism that, even that though was, it's bad today, it was blatant. Listen, yeah, it and accept it. That's yeah. how things were. So yeah, so I, I cannot to the ancestors. <laughs> yeah, so I can't be scared if if you know I I can't be like that's just it's not that I can't. We all have our level. I get of it, level, but. Yeah, man. If I if I know where I come from and who I am and all that good stuff, I'm gonna let it ride. But if you see me out here getting a full time social work job, just know real estate might not have worked out, but I'm still good. Listen, that's all right. <laughs> do it part time because yep, that's what I would have yep. done. I've been like, yep. quit this job. Let me do this on the side. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no wrong with it. Which you journey. can. And so, yeah. so I want to give a plug for my brokers because it is one of the only brokerages that allow you to be a dual agent, meaning that you can have a full time job. And work in real estate part-time. Come on. Because many of the agents in my office started, many of them are teachers and started in that way. Was getting fed up with the system. You know, they couldn't teach kids like they wanted to. They were teaching to a test. Did real estate part-time, made like 50000 that year part-time. And was like, you know what? Let me go on, do this here, take care of my family. So, yes, I will um, give a shout out to that. So, holla at me if you're interested in real estate. I can help you get started. <laughs> Okay, so if you want to holler at Siobhan, where can they find you? So you can find me on Facebook. I am Siobhan the Realtor on Facebook. I am Siobhan Dash the Realtor on Instagram. Uh, my email address is SiobhanCormick at kw.com. And I don't mind people having my cell phone number because it's plastered everywhere anyway. 504-975-2090. 504-975-2090. If you follow her on Facebook, on Instagram, and yeah. or email her, you can see what whenever she goes live and gets the information yeah. or whenever she has an open house. So go to Siobhan the Realtor and follow her page. I also yeah. to post it in the description box so when people pull up the episode, they can see the information as well. That is perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me. I appreciate this so much. I've in, I've learned a lot and I hope uh, people learn some information and be brave and courageous in stepping out on faith in whatever it is. It might yeah. be quitting your job. It might be something else. It might be yeah. marrying somebody. It might be, you know, cutting a yard. That's my right. journey right now. <laughs> trying to learn how to cut, mow my own yard. I, I remember when I- when I came to you, you was putting together a lawnmower. I'm still not finished. I, I I got one screw that just won't go in, and I've just I had to call the yard man yesterday. Like just come, cause I done got the notice from the HOA. Oh <laughs> I, man! But but I'm gonna do it. You gonna do it? Be <laughs> I'm not brave. calling him Get back. Out there. Yeah. Right. <laughs>
<laughs> so thank you and have a great day. Thank you so much for having me. That's it, everybody. Thanks for listening. Remember, follow me on social media. You can find me on Facebook at Everybody's Homegirl or Instagram at Everybody's Homegirl 11. You can also visit my website at www.everybody'shomegirl.com or shoot me an email and let me know what you think of the show. You can send your emails to homegirlpod at gmail.com. Remember to subscribe, share with a friend, or give me a five-star rating. As a matter of fact, text a couple of friends right now and share this episode with them. Remember, thanks and have a great day.